0: Hey, welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. I'm Tyler Orton and joining me today is my colleague here at Business in Vancouver. It's not Haley Wooden. She'll be on the show a little bit later on. She has an interview scheduled talking all about the BC budget. But first, we have Patrick Blenner-Hassett, BIV reporter. Patrick, thanks for joining us here.
1: Thanks for having me. Sorry I'm not Haley. So.
0: I, You know <laughs> what? I, I was thinking the same thing. You, you're reading my thoughts, but it's all good. Now, I'll try. I'll try. A lot of interesting stuff happening over the last week here in Vancouver. First of all, a lot of people have been buzzing about whether Vancouver has a shot at landing Amazon with Amazon's new plans for what they're calling HQ2 essentially a second headquarters not just a satellite office for amazon but a legit second headquarters there's going to be executives hired here people have the option of moving to this second headquarters if they so desire if they're already based at the hq1 down in seattle i want to you know just pick your brain a little bit what did you initially make of this a big announcement does vancouver stand any sort of chance here
1: I want to say that we're definitely a front runner because there's obviously been some increased interest in terms of our tech sector. I think the the interesting thing that stuck out to me when I watched the announcement come out was basically across Canada, every newspaper and every major city did a story on this. The Winnipeg Free Press did a story on it. Montreal did a story on it. Toronto did a story on it. So this is like uh, international competition, and we're obviously up against some some pretty big names, but obviously, you know, Vancouver has a lot of things going for it, but I want to say maybe our biggest knock is that we're just really close to Seattle. It might be a simple geography thing.
0: Well, some people are saying that could work in its favor, but to me, I think that is a bit of a knock. I, I think they would rather have, you know, an office further away from them. In case, mm-hmm. I don't know, let's say there's a giant tidal wave or something like that, but- <laughs> It's also better, look, if you're on kind of the East Coast, you you might want to be able to work in different time zones across the globe or who knows. And I I just wonder if it's a little bit too much too close.
1: It was really, really interesting. Many years ago, I I dated a lovely lady who worked for SAP and they had a lot their headquarters were in Pittsburgh. And so basically the Vancouver office was waking up at like five o'clock in the morning And starting and working. And I just remember like all she and all the workers were just sort of grudgingly doing it. And they talked about wanting to be on the same time zone. So there might actually be a benefit there because if Seattle is still sort of the nucleus of Amazon. And let's say that they build an office in Toronto. you got a four-hour gap there. Let's say somebody in three three hours, Seattle. Three, three, hours. three hours. Sorry, yeah. sorry. My bad. No worries, no worries. <laughs> a little jet lag. Um, <laughs> you've got basically somebody in Seattle. Something comes in at 6 o'clock in the evening. Toronto's already gone. Those people are heading off to the bar going to bed, right? So there might be a benefit there for Vancouver as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the other things, I don't know if they're, it's going to work in Vancouver's favor, but just land
0: constraints. Amazon essentially wants to build brand new offices. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's a limited number of places they could do that in Vancouver proper. And whatever they decide, it would be met with so much, I think, political black backlash in a city like this. I don't know if Vancouver could easily offer that to Amazon.
1: One, uh, obviously, because I cover this beat pretty regularly, but one city that popped into my mind right away was Surrey. Yeah. Cheap land, lots of land. They could build that thing. They'd get it uh, rubber stamped and they'd cut through the red tape really quickly. Question is whether or not uh, they want to build it out there. I think the other thing that Surrey has is that it's a lot closer to the border. So if you're thinking about a short drive to Seattle or short drive across the border – Vancouver is actually not that close, right? Especially during rush hour traffic. If you've ever tried to get down Granville to the United States. um, I don't know if Surrey is even on the radar or what they're doing in terms of that. But they might be a sort of uh, good alternative there. I just think Amazon,
0: they are based in downtown Seattle. I think that's part of maybe their image. And I think they're looking for like a hip, cool downtown sort of spot.
1: I think the only thing that came to my mind, and this is probably the timelines don't match up at all, is the St. Paul's Hospital. Yeah, uh, over uh, in uh,
0: False Creek Flats. Yeah. And that's actually uh, the BC uh, Technology Association CEO, Bill Tam, he actually pointed out False Creek Flats as a possible location. He just says it's going to take a lot of, uh, I, I guess, political goodwill to get something going with zoning in that area. Yeah, But it doesn't have to be – look, they're looking – if you compare it to the Seattle office, which they want comparable facilities, it's 8.1 million square feet across 33 different buildings. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all have to be built overnight. This could eventually grow to a facility that is – or a campus or a number of different buildings that would be one, point, one 8.1 million square feet, for
1: example. Yeah. It doesn't have to be there all – on day one of their opening, whenever that is. I would be not to be a betting man or anything, but cause I'm not a good betting man, but I would, I would be quite surprised to see it in downtown Vancouver. Cause I just don't yeah. see where the, the real estate would be. There's, there's just nothing left to sort of develop out. And, and we're so constrained by the ocean and the mountains. So I if don't know
0: if it was going to happen. I think it'd have to be across multiple cities throughout Metro Vancouver. The other thing that you need to ask is, uh, If you look at the tech talent here, I think you can get a lot of uh, junior level talent, uh, fill up the ranks there. They're looking to have as many as 50,000 people in these offices. So you're going to be bringing in a lot of people from other locations across North America. Are there enough? schools open in Vancouver right now. We're going through school closures at the moment. Think about transportation issues, not just these 50,000 workers, but their families as well. There's a lot of constraints here, but I I think a lot of other major metropolitan areas are are facing that as well. I say Vancouver could be in the running, but I don't think Vancouver is going to land this. I just think there are too many other cities that would probably have a A better argument right out of the gate about this is what we can give you amazon and and that's what amazon wants they they want them they want a city to kind of just give it to them essentially
1: yeah i would i i think i would agree with you and say that vancouver might be a a dark horse in the race you never know there might be some uber political reason that amazon just decides to push vancouver through or or to really sort of say we want to we want to move to Vancouver. And I think if Amazon says that, then sooner or later, maybe the city will get on board. So yeah, I, I think I don't know. It, Vancouver's
0: got a, a tough fight ahead of it. Yeah. if It is going to land this. Uh,
1: one of the other big items
0: that happened this uh, past week, though, is Bank of Canada. And it's a bit of a surprise to me. I They wrote, or they raised interest rates uh, for the second time this year. I thought it was going to happen next month instead, but now they went ahead and did it uh, early September so, of course, uh, the Canadian dollar shot up. It's gone up uh, seven or eight cents since May. Yeah. I've just, I'm just flabbergasted by this. But look, nothing's stopping the Canadian economy right now. What do you make of uh, this decision to hike rates?
1: Oh, man. It's really interesting because I want to sort of clap my hands and and give everybody in Canada a pat on the back and say we're doing really great. But the other side of me is when I – continue to look at the hard numbers, it's it's still real estate that is giving us a real boost. And real estate in Vancouver and real estate in Toronto, obviously Toronto is sort of tempered a little bit, but my only worry is that we are sort of riding a wave of real estate. And that's uh, something...
0: Well, the question is, is this, is this a bubble? And yeah. is this bubble soon going to burst? And what's going to happen to the Canadian economy when it does so? Because it, it's not just the sale of real estate it's uh construction workers yeah it's the finance people it's you know the, the real estate agents that if uh the business council of british columbia they did a study and they said uh about i think 30 to 35 percent of the economy in bc is tied in some way to the real estate industry yeah so it, or at least uh gdp um or economic growth over the last year something like that i, I i'm butchering these figures somehow i know that but it it is concerning but the other argument is like well people have been speculating that vancouver's in a bubble for a long time and this bubble is yet to burst over decades
1: i mean we've been talking about this on the radio and the podcast for what like two years now about vancouver and we had mark codis on saying vancouver is gonna explode so i don't know yeah it's it's interesting because there's some other parts of the Canadian economy that are doing well. You know, our agricultural is doing better. Our tech sector is getting a bit better. Um, we're attracting more international students. Um, so there's other things that are doing well. I think the really interesting thing about the benchmark overnight rate is that the effect that it's going to have, the ripple effect is going to have on mortgage rates. And you have people who are sort of in fixed mortgages and people who are in sort of variable mortgages. So five years down the line, let's say the economy does take a turn for the worse, you're gonna have a lot of people who can't afford their mortgages. And there's a lot of people that are sort of clamoring to kind of get into the real estate game right now that might not be able to afford those new interest rates. So It, it would be a wake-up call, but I'll make this argument. If the economy is
0: doing a lot worse in five years and the, the Bank of Canada would cut- Probably rates cut again. the rates. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I think what the concerning situation though, is if the economy takes a turn, you could have a lot of young people that are maybe out of jobs and they suddenly can't afford whatever their budget was for this mortgage that they've uh, locked into at these ultra low rates. Mm-hmm. Who knows if those ultra low rates are going to exist where they are right now. And and that's kind of concerning for I, I, especially a lot of those young people that don't remember what interest rates were back in the 1980s, <laughs> for example.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say the one positive thing out of all of this is that Oil has not been what it's been since, you know, years ago. So to see, see Like when it was $100 a barrel? Yeah, yeah.
0: And now it's around $50? And now it's basically half. Yeah.
1: You get a two-for-one discount. That, to me, says a lot. That goes to show, I think that says obviously more about the American economy because the American economy is still doing pretty well. Um, but it also goes to show that we've sort of dispersed out our dependence on oil, which I think is a good thing. So if our economy, Canada's economy is doing really well, oils doing horrible that's probably a good thing it means we have less of a petrodollar and we're relying more on a sort of varied economy so we're not venezuela and that's 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 definitely a good thing so
0: well and also I'll say this british columbia is not alberta yeah, which i think yeah. is to our benefit as well so uh, lastly, uh, as we record this uh, budget lockup for uh, British Columbia going on right now. So, Haley Wooden is going to be joining us uh, a little later on with an interview all about the budget. But if we're talking about BC politics, uh, interesting turn of events where uh, liberal MLA from Abbotsford, Daryl Plekis, uh, it was the talk of the newsroom the other day. But uh, he essentially uh, took the speaker job and he was uh, subsequently, if I'm Following everything right now, there's a lot of uh, different uh, information going around there, but uh, subsequently booted from Liberal Caucus as well. Interesting turn of events for um, the politics here in British Columbia because essentially the speaker job, he kept insisting he had no interest in it, (laughs) and he took the job
1: regardless. He crossed the floor. I don't know. Would you well, do did it? he did
0: he cross the floor? Uh, that well, no, he let he just yeah he
1: left technically yeah. left his caucus. But... No, no, but he, did he leave the caucus? No, did he, he didn't even. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he just he, took he the was job. A liberal yeah, who yeah, took yeah. the speaker job,
0: which yeah, if, no. constitutionally that, that's fine. But you definitely see that the uh, many in the liberal caucus weren't pleased with this no. decision because it gives the NDP Green Alliance a much big, bigger buffer essentially when it comes to casting votes. They have a. A larger majority, I think, like a three-person majority at this point. This alliance, not not the actual NDP caucus.
1: Yeah, and I was reading a really good piece in the Georgia Strait that talked about how you know he's going to cap out his pension because of this, because the speaker makes a lot more money. Mm, He's sort of on. He's not even going to run in the next election, so this is his like ride off into the sunset, and dare I say, excuse my language, maybe his middle finger to the Liberal Party on the way out. Because I was reading that he was sort of like a backbencher guy and and wasn't sort of, a, you know, ever sort of considered for cabinet posts or anything like that. I might be wrong, but I just think it's really interesting because it, it always reminds me of Belinda Stronic And when she crossed the floor, when she was dating Peter McKay and just walked across and it was like this huge kind of like deal. And I always think about that. I don't know. I don't know, Tyler, would you ever walk or, or the floor? I, I would
0: or? never run for politics yeah.
1: in the first place. <laughs> You'd never so go there in the first yeah, place. Yeah, there's
0: your answer there. What, what about you? If your convictions were in a different place, or w- would you feel loyalty to whatever party you're in? What, what are your thoughts on this, Patrick?
1: If I was thinking ethically, um, I think I would sort of have two minds of an argument. One is loyalty, and you want to stay with the Liberal Party, and they got you elected. Two, though, is that at the end of the day, the voters want a functioning government. And what this does is it gives the Greens and the NDP a remotely functioning government for however long. Yeah. And if you're thinking about being truly a public servant, you want the government in power to have a chance to run and you want them to either succeed or fail on their own sort of uh, budget, on their own policy. So maybe that's what he was thinking. I was like, look, let's the Greens and the NDP, they got in, it's, it's razor thin. Let's give them a shot, see what they can do. And then if they sink their own boat, then... His argument is, I, I wanted to do what
0: was right for my constituents. Yeah. And my constituents are telling me we want a stable government here in British Columbia. We don't want to go to the polls in just a few months. Yeah, so... I, I can wrap my head around that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at it from that perspective, it obviously he seems less uh, of a villain and more of a public servant, most definitely. Yeah. So,
0: Well, joining us after this break, it's going to be Haley Wooden back on the show. She's got an interview all about the BC budget. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott, accountants and business advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott accountants and business advisors a call at 604-714-3600, that's 604-714-3600, or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We're the daily business news program from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Chris LaPointe. And I'm Haley Wooden. This segment of Business in Vancouver is brought to you by Dale Carnegie Training. There's a reason why today's Dale Carnegie Training matters. Discover how it can help you reach your goals at bc.dalecarnegie.com. The NDP government tabled their interim budget update on Monday. It's the first NDP budget in more than a decade and a half. And in it, the new government makes good on a number of its campaign promises. We're going to dive into a discussion about the updated budget with Jock Finlayson, Chief Policy Officer at the Business Council of British Columbia. Thanks for joining us, Jock.
1: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Hey, listen, uh, a lot of people think that NDP governments uh, mean that the sky will fall economically. Uh, Did the sky fall Monday?
1: Well, no. I mean,
0: uh, BC's uh, got quite a bit of economic momentum, um, and certainly this uh, this budget update isn't going to derail that in and of itself by any means. And
1: in fact, the government is benefiting from fairly robust, uh, you know, revenue growth and. Uh,